When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Is hair a material? Are biscuits a material? Are crystals a material? Is plastic a material? Is porridge a material? Can gases be a material? Are eggs a material? Is water a material? What do you call everything that isn't a material? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at your question. And yet you continue to do so. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Handmade, the making podcast with real talk about materials. I'm your host, Anna Pajajski, and this episode I talk to precision engineer Michael White about, well, precision engineering. I started by asking Michael how he first became a precision engineer. Well... I wish I had a more interesting story to tell you, <laughs> but basically, um, at school at 16 and time was coming up when I'd done my GCSEs and everything. And I thought I need to start looking for jobs. So I was leaving school. So, so started looking for jobs. I thought university and going down that sort of path wasn't really for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked, always liked doing things with my hands. So I like making things yeah. and always, I felt fairly good at it, I suppose. But mm-hmm. so I thought. So I thought, let's let's try and find something that I can do with my hands. That also use my brain as well, so I'm not not falling asleep, but also keep my hands working. So just looked for apprenticeships. I found an apprenticeship uh, in a town near me, and I thought, let's go for it. So I applied, and I got the job, and that was to be an apprentice apprentice engineer, well, apprentice toolmaker, and that was for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, so four years came and went and qualified now. So that's really how I got into engineering. That's that's pretty much it. It's that's not, awesome. Not the most exciting story, but well, I think it's one that um, I think it's one that's really worth telling because one of the brilliant things about engineering is that there are so many routes into it. Um, you know, not just the traditional um, sort of university route, but like lots of really awesome opportunities in apprenticeships to kind of get working and get hands-on experience early on. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And with doing an apprenticeship, you do get the hands-on experience mm. as well. So you, so you're not just in a classroom you're there working with the guys on the machines and you learn their little tricks of the trade and and you kind of get to know it more from like inside rather than learning from a purely academic point of view which which I found to be quite uh 
good for me, mm. especially the way that I kind of learn. So right. it's good for me. Although I did enjoy going in the classroom as well because it is part of it mm. being in the classroom. So if anybody was out there who's looking to think it, thinking of going to engineering, yeah. thinking that it was going to avoid the classroom. No, you won't. You still have to go <laughs> in the classroom and do lots of lots of maths and, yeah. and this and that. But, uh, but yeah, you get to be very hands-on as well if you're doing an apprenticeship. So it's That's a good way cool. to learn. And do you get paid as well while you're doing it? Yeah, you do. You get paid to learn. So Happy days. So what sort of materials are you working with? What's your sort of, yeah, what, what does it involve? What does the work involve? Well, the, the work is, I suppose, it's its all quite similar, but it's all quite varied at the same time. Uh-huh. We make things from very, very big things, very small things. Um, I personally, I specialise as a turner and a miller. So that's using milling machines and lathes. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the materials we use, mainly steel. I'd say probably 90% of the time it's going to be steel or some some different grades of steel, of mm. course, but it's it's all falls in the steel range. But we do use some other materials. I mean, sometimes copper, copper, brass, um, all sorts in canal. Well, that's type of steel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Tufnel, things like that. Okay. Um, Tufnel is like a... It's it's a, quite an interesting thing. I think it's a sort of fabric that they soak in a in a resin. Oh, cool! And when they soak it in the resin, it goes rock hard. But and it's got a, it's got really good heat resistance. So that's why they oh. use it. It's really 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 heat resistant. Um, but it looks like wood. It kind of looks like wood because it has a sort of grain like the yeah. same sort of grain that wood has. And it's the same color as well. That's cool. Most of the time, it's like the brown woody color. Yeah. So yeah, those sorts of things. Yeah, so pretty much it. Some other some other materials, but those are the main ones, really. Yeah. And what sort of components are you making? You said like the whole range of sizes, but what what's their kind of purpose? Their end of what are they used for? Pretty much anything that you can think of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is that needs some sort of accuracy. Mm. It will go into, but probably. I mean, I'm not mass producing parts, so the things that I make. Uh, one-offs, oh, okay. two-offs, or or batches of maybe probably the biggest batches I'll make is fifty or sixty of uh-huh. something very small that might that might not have might in use might not get like, last very long. Mm. But so um, so it's not things for like what you'd find in a laptop, but there'd be things that would make the laptop if you know what I mean yep. on the on the production line. Uh-huh. Or so, but everything from planes trains uh cars i do a lot for formula one cars nice. so the the parts that actually go inside the engines because obviously they don't make that many engines yeah but they still but they still need a fair amount of engines so that's where i get like the 60 offs the 50 okay. offs and and that sort of thing but most of the time it's much lower numbers because yeah they're very specific parts for very specific machines but those machines go into making all kinds of things if that makes sense yeah I'm, yeah I'm it does myself very well. no 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 you, you absolutely have it's kind of like um yeah sort of en- engineering components I guess which sounds kind of vague but like you say it's it's all sort of really highly pre- precision stuff that needs to um work mechanically perfectly 
Yeah, it is. It is. And it's stuff that's really specifically needed as well. When, mm. when a company has a very specific need for something, so say if it's an oil rig and they need, I don't know what, I don't know exactly what they need in oil rigs, but I have made things for oil rigs. Yeah. But fortunately, you don't get to find out what the parts are exactly. <laughs> no way. <laughs> but if, they need, if they need a part, there's not that many oil rigs. There's no factory somewhere in the world that's right. mass producing uh, oil rig parts. So they'll come to a company like the company I work for and say, this is a drawing that we've got that we made. We need five of these parts and we'll make five of those parts to their exact specifications and that will be that'll be it that's cool so so you mentioned the kind of the tools that you work with generally sort of like lathes and and sort of drills and stuff um how do you translate the plans that you're given and the kind of very precise dimensions that you're given how do you hand make precision parts to those kind of specifications well um it is a lot to do with the tools and the tool choice that you choose mm. that you choose to use i mean you have to look at the part and the drawing and think what material is it mm-hmm. uh where's how much material's got to be removed the shape uh whether there'll be parts on it that that will be fragile when you're making it so mm-hmm. uh yeah like how um like the form of the overall part uh, you also have to look at exactly how precise it is because some things some tools that we use can be very precise, mm. but they won't be precise enough. Right. So like, take for instance, a drill, an ordinary drill. If you have a drill, let's say, that says cut six millimetres and you drill into metal, it will cut six millimetres pretty close, mm. but you might get you might get about 6.1, right. 6.2, if the drill's a little bit worn. Mm. So... In that case, if you wanted a really accurate hole, you wouldn't just you wouldn't just drill it. And if you wanted a nice finish on the inside of the hole, if the finish was important, you might drill it with a smaller drill. Mm. So say uh, a five point eight mil drill, and then you would ream it. So you'd use a, a tool called a reamer, which uh, most people might know what a reamer is, but it's basically like a drill that doesn't drill on its own it just skims out of the very inside mm. of the of the hole and we just go down with a reamer and that will open it up to a very exact size so if you wanted a really exact exact hole you might use a reamer and it's the same for all sorts of things so depending on how accurate it has to be the finish that you have to have all sorts of things the material you're using depends on the tool you use down to the material of the tip that you use in the in the cutter uh, the geometry of the mm. of the tool they all just depend on it exactly what it is so you have to rely on not only like a quite in-depth knowledge of materials and how they'll behave together but also sort of relying on experience and having to make all these kind of decisions about how best to approach making that shape yeah basically yes you have to you have to you have to know so that's why Going back to how I got into it and mm. doing an apprenticeship, that's why doing an apprenticeship is a very good way to learn it rather than doing it all in a classroom because when you're an apprentice and you start and you start cutting and you think you kind of don't know how the tools will react, how the tools will react in the material and you don't know exactly how to use them and you make lots of mistakes that way. But 
talk about because an apprentice and everybody expects it so yeah but then by the time you qualify you know you've encountered quite a few things you're always encountering things every day that you haven't encountered before but you'll 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 already know a lot and you'll know you'll know the basics of of what to do mm. and how to approach certain things and I know I know I had my fair share of breaking tools as an apprentice. This <laughs> <laughs> part of it, it happens. Yeah. An accepted part of the job. <laughs> it is. It's interesting what you were saying about um, sort of the fact that it is all kind of hand-making processes. Um, I think m- some listeners might be wondering why why is precision engineering its own kind of profession and its own thing? Because lots of makers work very precisely and have, you know, very small tolerances in terms of what they can make. Um, I interviewed a watchmaker recently, which is obviously very intricate, has to be very, very accurate for all the mechanics to work. Um, so how how has precision, precision engineering kind of come about as a profession? I always thought, you know how, how we have uh, machines that are really accurate and you think, well, how did we get them to be accurate in the first place? Mm. If you know what I mean, where did... Where did those measurements come from? Where did, how, how were they accurate? What was the first thing that people were able to build up everything else on? Mm. So, but that is, I mean, it is a fundamental question. And the very first thing that was made that would be kind of like considered a precision tool was probably just a flat table, which you'd get in every single engineering workshop today. And they would have made it by, you would have got, say, a flat stone and rubbed it with another kind of flat stone. Mm. But you would need about three and you would keep swapping between each combination of them, rub them together, and then you would get a flat stone. And from that, pretty much everything else was built, which I find I find quite interesting that the flat table was the building block for everything else to be made from. Mm. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And the desire to mass produce things mm. really drove on uh, precision engineering because as things became uh, mass produced, they wanted, they still wanted to mass produce them to a good quality. And to be able to do that repeatedly and to do it consistently, you need to have the accuracy of what a precision engineer can produce. So as, as you look at how time's gone on, as humans have progressed and technology has progressed and got progressively more uh, intricate, like say our phones, our laptops, mm. all sorts of things, then uh, precision engineering really has become its own its own field in that um, it's needed it's there needed to be that uh, element of exact precision because mm. yeah if you if you think if you think really that uh, say if you was to have a ballpoint pen you not only need to make the pen and everything in it which is extremely accurate the little ball in the end mm. needs to be an exact perfect size and needs to be smooth so you can write smoothly. But it's not just that that needs to be right. We also need to have uh, the supply tra- supply chain, mm. like the, the lorries that can drive it. They all need to work perfectly so that we can get our ballpoint pens in our hands for only a few pence. Mm. So that's really when engineering precision engineering came around like when humans started to advance in that way yeah so what you're saying is that (laughs) we all rely on precision engineers every day even if we don't realize it (laughs) basically basically (laughs) basically your job is really important (laughs) yeah it's quite it's quite important well I think it is anyway (laughs) yeah well you said before yeah of course (laughs) you said before we started recording that um for for the benefit of the listener we're recording in in the third lockdown in the UK but um you've been going to work have you worked all year have you been have you been always going into work yeah yeah I've been working all year yeah um lucky you yeah I only had a little bit of time off on the very first lockdown and Uh that was it the uh, factory's been open pretty much the whole time. Yeah, yeah. An essential worker. <laughs> yeah, essential. <laughs> It'll be awesome to hear. Um, if you've got any kind of favourite stories, I suppose, from work or anything surprising that you found um, during your time working in precision engineering or any kind of memorable makes or breaks <laughs> that you've come up across. Hmm. It's an interesting one. I mean... There's quite a few stories, I suppose. I don't know how I don't know how interesting they are. I mean, uh, I remember when I when I just started in the apprentice. I remember working in the workshop and hearing a massive bang, and that massive bang was somebody had programmed a machine and they'd ran the tool into the side. It was a milling machine that yeah. ran it into the side of the table and it took a huge chunk out the side of the table <laughs> and the whole top of the, the head of the machine, it was completely like yeah. like 30 degrees knocked over, which <laughs> takes quite some doing to do. It was basically really, really like in a bad way. The machine mm. was probably the worst thing we've ever seen <laughs> as, in, as in someone having an accident on a machine. Yeah. I mean, 
I haven't seen anybody be pulled into a lathe or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a risk like of like worse accidents, I imagine, but I'm glad to there hear is. that. <laughs> there is. Although that one doesn't sound, it doesn't sound bad when I say it, like, and, you, and you're listening to it mm. over the radio. But when you see it firsthand, it is, it is quite, um, it's quite terrifying because yeah. you realise how much, because you don't realise how much force is in those machines to be able to cut the metal in the way that they do. Yeah. And when they crash, they really do crash. Yeah. Really. Sort of a reminder of how powerful they can be and how potentially yeah. dangerous. Yeah. You do forget. Although when you work on, say, a manual machine as opposed to, say, a CNC machine, then you start to kind of remember it again. Well, you, you, you do kind of, um, you do kind of not, not forget in a way as well because you always can feel the power of the machine sometimes. Like you can feel it vibrating through the floor. You can feel it vibrating through the machine sometimes. So, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So you, yeah, a bit more kind of, um, but a bit more kind of hands-on really, I suppose, rather than relying on on a computer to move it around. Yeah, on a manual machine, yeah, you're a lot more hands-on. Yeah, it's all it's all dials and uh, dials and levers. Mm. Is there a lot of teamwork involved? Yeah, there is a lot of teamwork. I mean, I'm only I'm only one cog in the whole <laughs> in the whole big factory because yeah. I mean, I specialise in milling and turning, mm. but you'll have other people that specialise in grinding. Then you have someone who specialises in hobbing. You'll have shapers. You'll have all sorts of different aspects of it that I don't actually know much about, even though they're in the same field of engineering, mm. you could you could say, but it's a completely different discipline that isn't what I'm trained in. Mm. So, yeah, it's definitely a teamwork. And most of the time, it wouldn't be me who would do a job from start to finish. It would normally go through me and then it would go on to someone else and okay. then it might come back to me and then it would go after someone else. So it's never never just me alone. Yeah, yeah. So does one person have to plan? Because presumably it matters what order you do everything in sometimes. So is, is there kind of someone who's masterminding that project and deciding what's going to be done in what order? Yeah, usually, yeah. So uh, one place I worked out, we didn't, there wasn't actually, and we all used to just look at the job and oh, cool. design, decide how we would do it. Yeah. And it used to work, it did used to work, but I think in order to... Um, get approved with all like the international standards right. and all that those kind of things yeah. um, companies they have like root cards they call them root cards and they they have all the processes and how they're going to do the job and mm. it all goes around very orderly and that's what it's like where I work now it is good it is a better way of doing it you don't make mistakes as sure. often that kind of way so yeah that's how it goes it is very organized in that sort of way yeah that's cool um, do you find it quite satisfying? Like, do you get a lot of job satisfaction after you kind of holding this piece that you've made in your hand at the end? Yeah, it's satisfying actually. It is very satisfying when, especially when some jobs can take quite a long time to mm. make. Say, a more complex job can you might be working on it for a few days, maybe even a week. And by the time, by the time a week's done, and you stand back and you look at the job and the finish on it is nice, it's mm. it, it looks really good, and you think. I made that. It feels really good. It does. It does feel very good. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Um, what are your hopes for the future? Like you're, you're kind of just at the start of your career. 
Have you got anywhere that you're particularly looking to get to or, you know, stages that you're hoping to reach? Um, to be honest, I would just like to grow as an engineer to learn more aspects of it. Because, you know, like I said, I'm just one. Mm. I'm one cog in a massive network of cogs that makes the makes precision uh, components. I would like to be able to learn to do more of it and mm-hmm. to be able to grow and and that's it really I don't think you could ever stop learning in it to be honest you're always going to be learning something new and I'd like to continue to learn more new more new disciplines yeah um if people have been interested to kind of hear about precision engineering are there any sort of like YouTube channels or um kind of places where people can go to find out more about this to be honest if you probably just go on YouTube and just type in precision engineering A load, a load of stuff will come up. A load of stuff will come up. Just type in tool making, mm. turning, milling, anything like that, and it will come up if if you're interested. Um, yeah, or you can. There's, there's so much out there to go and look at. Or if mm. you go in, if anybody does live near Birmingham, you can go to like um, the Birmingham Museum, where they do have some things on, say on the history of of engineering in Birmingham, because Birmingham is quite an influential area. Birmingham mm-hmm. and the Black Country, it's quite an influential area in, in this field. So you will go there and you'll find interesting things if you want to learn about that there. Yeah, but internet, if you want to learn internet, libraries, books. <laughs> yeah, I imagine there's, there's a whole internet hole that you can go down in terms of like... Um, because it's very satisfying, isn't it, to watch these like curly bits of metal like shave off very slowly or like, um, I don't know. I, I really like watching kind of production processes. <laughs> I think for people that don't do it, it's very, it's very nice to watch. But when you, when you do it as a job. <laughs> You're over I mean, it. <laughs> I love it. I'm over it. Yeah, I'm definitely over it. Now. <laughs> I think like the time when I'm looking at the metal coming off, I'm thinking, is that too much metal? Is that too much material? Uh, okay. Is that, is that co- going to come out exactly how I want it to come out? Oh, no. <laughs> That's what you're thinking most of the time. So it can, it can be quite nerve-wracking. Mm. So for people that don't do it, it looks really nice and soothing. But when you actually do it, <laughs> it's a little bit of a different story. <laughs> when the pressure's on. <laughs> when the pressure's on, yeah. When the pressure's on, you feel it. <laughs> awesome. Um, this has been so interesting to chat to you. Um, are you. Do you kind of post about this kind of stuff online? Like, do you have an online presence as a, a precision engineer or is, are you just work life and that's it? <laughs> No, work is work is work. Home yeah. Is home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for you. So, so no, not not particularly, not particularly. Nice. Although, not... if anyone did, if anybody did want to contact me, they can send me an email. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, what what's your email address for people to which, do that? Uh, which is Michael Anthony. That's A N T O N Y. Dot White at Gmail dot com. Awesome. So you're going to be inundated with precision engineering questions now from a load maybe, of materials maybe. nerds. <laughs> yeah (laughs) which is fine i don't mind (laughs) awesome well thank you so much for chatting to me um it's been super interesting to hear about precision engineering um and yeah i wish you every luck in your career it sounds like a really fascinating area to be working in um and one that will always be necessary and always be there thank you very much thanks for having me on 
So that was the awesome Michael White on Precision Engineering. Thanks so much to him for getting in touch and for coming on the show. That's everything for this week. As always, like and subscribe to us to keep up to date with everything that's going on at Handmade HQ. If you want to support with a one-time donation, you can do so at supporter.acast.com forward slash handmade. You can give as much or as little as you like. And a huge thanks to everyone who's already done so. It really does help to keep us going. Say hi to us on social media, on Twitter at Real Talk and on Instagram at Handmade Pod. Huge thanks as always to Dave Shepard for our awesome cover art and to Alex Lathbridge for the music mix. Next week, I'll be talking to a friend of the pod from episode four of Real Talk, as it was back then, Kimberly Freeman, about her adventures in making plastic jewellery out of polymer resin. So until then, take very good care and I'll speak to you next time on Handmade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that luxury quality within reach go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order quince.com slash style